grapefruit, uh, <laughs> carbonated water, dude. It's good. <laughs> it's fresh. It's minty. It's actually not fresh. It's just water in a can. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Pure Tennis Podcast, guys. Episode 49, inching closer. I remember when we set out a, a goal to get to 50 this year. We, I feel like it was so far away, but wanted to say thank you guys for all your support. It's been a fantastic week for the Pure Tennis Podcast. It's been our most downloaded week, pushing 600 clicks, which for us, I mean, if you would have told us, I don't know, three months ago that 600 people in one week would listen to us talk about tennis, I think we would have signed up for that every, every time. Yeah, I think our original goal was to get – 20 people and then and then i remember when i said what if we could get to 50 and then 100 so guys what we appreciate you guys not that that matters it doesn't matter but it's it's good to see that people share our passion for the game and i hope it comes through that we obviously do that's what it helps when you go down to the tournaments and start talking to actual (laughs) pros i'll say that no 100 percent. i think that's a big reason why our traffic was was bumped we had awesome guests on JJ Wolf, Tommy Paul, thank you, guys. Andre Rublev, um, Mike Cation. I thought Mike Cation was awesome. I mean, he's amazing. I think he does great work. Uh, definitely a guy that I know puts in the work, and I always learn from him. I mean, I run into him just in passing, at, like in the tunnels and stuff, and he's always giving me a nugget on the on the on the go. I mean, he, whenever he passes me, I'm like, man, that guy just. I love his the information he gives. He just never seems to have like an agenda. He just seems to be. A, a loyal tennis fan and a someone that totally was, dialed up. Yeah, and, and he knew all the. I mean, he. Yeah. I liked his point of view on the challengers and coming. You know, like it's like that's our point of view too. Like, hundred percent. And this is a guy that's put the work in from the challenger circuit to the college circuit to the to the pros, and so he knows the transition from college to, to the futures to challengers to the ATP tour. He's followed a bunch of these guys through through that path. Whether it's Chris Eubanks, a guy that he's super close with, who just made his debut in the top one hundred. Uh, whether it's a Kovacevic, another guy who's made the top 100, a Ben Shelton, all, J.J. Wolf. I mean, this is a guy that has known these players since they were 18 years old or younger, and I think Cation's fantastic. So, guys, check out those episodes if you have not already. Um, Want to do a little gear talk here to kick off today's show. Guys, there's a ton of new stuff on the market that uh, we have not talked about. One thing I want to start off with is a new string from Yonix. It is called Polytor Drive. JP's got it in his Pure Aero VS. Uh, the 98. It's great. It's great string. You just said it's your favorite string. It's on my the favorite string. I put it in there with a hybrid with the RPM blast at 54, and it's um, something that when you try out, like, I keep trying all these new strings, and, and uh, that one just feels real smooth, and but it's got like just a kind of a controlled deep ball that I feel, and it might just be a placebo in my brain, but I feel like it just, I can hit real deep with it. It's, uh, Polytor Drive is an octagon shaped strain yeah. eight-sided it's got a lot of bite to it um i have it in my it's right now i have a full bed of polytor drive in my pure arrow it's been a lot of fun to hit with it especially indoors i feel like i get the ball to drop so quickly i'm definitely a full western grip on the forehand so that is a string that plays right into my my comfort zone uh are the polytor drive guys the pure drive 98 it's an exclusive racket only at tennispoint.com that racket continues to just be one that I think is going to really take a stronghold in the market, whether it's the juniors, the college players, and the tour. I think it's going to start popping up more because the Pure Drive 100, as we all know, was a racket that was extremely hard to control. I mean, especially for the men out there, I felt like you, it was not a, a racket that you would see um, many high-level juniors or performance players 
on the men's side use uh, just because the bigger swings, they're obviously a little bit stronger. They're, the ball is going to the back curtain. The 98, I mean, just like Jerry Shang said it, we just did a commercial with Jerry Shang, the uh, young 18-year-old from Shanghai. He just said it's it's the control for him that makes this racket so deadly because he has the pop. He's got the, the big sweet spot in there still, but this thing is able to, it, it tempers it a little bit more and it's it feels super smooth. Um, speaking of demos, though, I'm really excited. You just strung up a uh, Slinko Whiteout for me. Yeah, I, Sam did, but oh, yeah. yeah. So young Sam. Good, and he strung it real loose for you because you were talking about Manorino, but he didn't go down that low. 48, no, I'm not at 19 pounds like Manorino. <laughs> the fact that Manorino just made another run to the, what, did he go around a 16? Or did he, yeah. Yeah, around a 16 yeah. at Miami Open um, with his 19 pounds and his pure arrow is absolutely absurd. Um, so... Eubanks is the one that finally took him out there. Eubanks playing awesome. Eubanks I mean, he's got the T fight. You got the T fight right. Or no, I put it up on the wall. I got it right here. Oh yeah. T fight three fifteen right here. I'm super stoked to try this as well. I got a nice hybrid in here with some headhawk power, and it's Tec technofiber NRG. synthetic gut. Yeah. Okay. okay, so this is no. This feels so buttery. But um, yeah, last thing on the last thing I got to talk about is guys the pure arrow Rafa uh, racket and bag that we just shot. Some some spots for, unbelievable. I mean, it oh, looks yeah. so clean. It's a pink racket, guys. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Rafa played with it already a little bit before, but the bag that's coming out, it's the best best bag on the market. It's a self standing bag. Doesn't need to be leaned up against a wall or anything. It's got those little pegs like a suitcase does, so you can just lay it up. It's got it's a fully insulated bag, 100% waterproof. It's just got this very clean material that just feels unbelievable. And it's got some customizations with the zippers and the inside pockets that are. Uh, have like the logos of the Pure Arrow Rafa. It's you got to check it out. Super stoked to drop that content, guys. Follow us at Pure Tennis Podcast on Instagram. Follow us at Tennis underscore Point underscore USA on Instagram as well. We try to put out a bunch of fun content, and it's um, and we test everything. We try it true. all. So. We try it all. I, that's been the most fun part of, of doing all this is just testing out all the different products, whether it's strings, shoes, rackets. Um, but JP, let's get into it. I know the fans are here to hear about the Miami Open. Uh, there's a bunch, of, a bunch of college action that's been fun to tune into as well. But let's start off with the WTA action down at the Masters event in Miami. I just was there for a week. Ton of fun storylines. Um, started off a little bit, little rough with Iga dropping out uh, with a rib injury. I don't know if she have, if she'll have to have. Is it, I don't know what it was, but it was during the, uh, yeah, Rock Rabakana mm -hmm. match. Gonna got the six two beat down and it made her. It, oh, it's weirdly the ribs started hurting. <laughs> oh man! So, Iga's out, guys. I think the storylines for me were Serana Cristea, and I believe thirty two years old. Yeah, has the Romanian the, girl. Yeah, the first top ten win she, in the last couple of weeks of Indian Wells, and then here in uh, Miami, she had the first top ten win I think I heard in the last two or three years. Yeah, so, she, yeah, she's. In Indian Wells, or are you talking about Indian Wells? I think that was she her was, first top Yeah, yeah. played her hard She out. continued to just keep it moving. Took out Sabalenka in Miami. That uh, was a ridiculous win for her. Uh, Sabalenka obviously played tremendous the last since Australia. And for Kirsten to take out, take out a top three player in the world on the women's, women's tour is uh, pretty amazing. So she made a big-time run. Back-to-back -back quarterfinals, as JP uh, said. I mean, she's just fit. She looks like she she's like a, she's kind of taking on the... It's a clean uh, new bounce fit, too. It is, yeah, it's just like you can just see like the the athleticism. She's definitely kind of like got the conditioning that that side of it. She's going to just fight you For to sure. the end. And some of those girls, they, they don't want to play that no. game. 
They, they don't want to get in a physical battle with a girl like Christina who's put the work in off the court. Um, Jessica Bogula just continues to be steady. Uh, reaches the semis again. Thought she had it. Thought she had Rabakina on the ropes there. Thought she had a chance to take the stronghold in that match and pull through. Rabakina, though, once you give her a glimmer of hope, I mean, it's just a small little window, and she seems to be taking it. And Pagula was just, she wasn't happy, but it felt like. Rabakina was down. I mean, like. Slap City. Yeah. Well, I feel like with um, the Bedoza match, I think Paula Bedoza had her at 5 2 or 4 2. And just, she just played. She's still deadly, even down in the match. She comes out like completely trusts her her serve. Second serve's kind of garbage, but she hits the bombs that yeah. like this girl, and she's so tall that even, I mean, Kitova. How do you say her? Kvitova. Yeah. Completely like I I was amazed that she that she beat her because I think that like the. Indian Wells, I think they played each other before, and Rabakina got her. Uh But like, it was just, or was it? Uh, This was the furthest. So yeah, Kavitova actually had never. Um, I believe that was her first title in the states. Am I? It was. It was her first first title in the states, which is crazy to think. Yeah, she's been been, around forever. Had a ton of. She's thirty-three. Yeah, she's uh like six months older than Kirstea. They were saying. Right. Um. So no, I think that was one of the. I mean, just for Kavitova to be back in her in form. The other headlines for me would have been Coco Goff. I just think Goff having the same issues that she was having three years ago is a bit worrisome for fans that had seen Coco Goff as being the future of the women's tour, uh, future multi-champion at the slam level uh, and the master's level, uh, Yeah, yet alone just the master's level. And I don't think we've seen Coco make the strides that personally I had thought she would make by now. Um, with with the work she puts in and the amount of tennis she plays, I thought we would start to see the forehand get a little tighter, a little cleaner. There just seems to be a, a vulnerability on that wing where it's just hard for her to absorb pace. You can speed her up on that wing. You can draw a lot of unforced errors on that on that wing, and it just doesn't look like a top 10 forehand right now, which to me is a bummer because I think Coco has a lot of the tools, both physically and mentally, as far as just her, her will – her will out there on the court to to want to compete and want to push hard. I just think she's lacking with the forehand so much right now that it's just gonna when you play against the Potapovas and the Kavitovas and the Rabakinas and the well, that's the thing is that the Sablankas and the Kavitovas and the and the Rabakinas, so they just bomb you into that. Like, good luck trying to set up a forehand when exactly. you're serving, like, because they're just they're serve plus one girls, like yep. all of them are. Exactly. I mean that that Rabakina match, like, it like. I don't. We were trying to count volleys that went past four, and there's like <laughs> it's maybe not many. there's like it was just bang, bang, bangs it's, the yeah. whole set. So and Coco's not a, like she's she's trying to get to there, but she's not there yet. And I, I the other girl I just mentioned that took out Coco Golf, who played phenomenal, was Potapova. Um, I mean, good lord, she has a ton of firepower, a ton of weapons, a really good athlete, um, competes very well. I was very impressed with Potapova. I thought she for me was like the even though she didn't win the tournament, that's the girl that I, that I looking going forward in, in tournament play, I will be like having her circled on my on my schedule to watch. Yeah. Um, the other person that I was definitely excited to watch and to have success again was Bianca Andrescu. Uh, she looked so good in her first round match, took out Raducanu, took out Sakari. I mean, uh, if you're talking about looked good, I think Raducanu looked like the, the – 
The same outfit, except she didn't wear the black skirt. She just wore the green under, like, shorts. Bianca had the biker shorts on. No, I, so... <laughs> I think the look was better on the other side. Bedoza was wearing the exact same outfit, too. That, like, they true. all same had the same... Same color green. Same everything, I mean, except what, she didn't wear the dress. We're not, don't get me started on Nike apparel. I'm not dogging it. Don't, don't get me started on Nike apparel in general. There's a reason why Andre Rublev took his talents elsewhere. Oh, I know. I, he, mean, I mean, he was Andre, Andre was tired of looking like his opponent every other match. I mean, these guys were just tired of yeah. looking like identical... Like, they both got dressed in the same... I know. The it same, just looks goofy. It looks so goofy. Nike is just... They gotta stop doing that. They just gotta stop doing that. I don't know who who in their marketing group keeps telling everybody to put the same dress. I, I think I think the Nike tennis it's I mean, gotta stop. Nike tennis has completely abandoned their marketing team. There has to They've be. They've eliminated the Nike Court Instagram page, which was their only. Um, like what person's like? What should I get? I need a new tennis outfit. Oh, they're both wearing that green shirt. I should wear that. It's so bad. It, Nike Nike disappoints me. I, I'm beyond flustered with. I'm with you. I just I don't. I'm not a fan of the like the cloned t- tennis player thing. It takes all personality out of the game. <laughs> it does. It's so bad. <laughs> it's I so bad. That. Anyway, Bianca Andrescu came back. Sorry, Bianca. Uh, she she looks biker real- <laughs> shorts. Look, I mean, she was she's totally doing what I, I told. Like I, like she's having personality because she just didn't wear the black skirt. I was I was super <laughs> bummed to see her get to get for her to get hurt. I was thinking. I mean, she was up a break yeah. in the, in the second set of dropping the first set uh, to an ankle injury. Is forced to pull out. But best of wishes to Bianca Andreescu as she was looking uh, like to, to round back into form and look like a top player in the world uh, for the first few matches there. Um, but yeah, a ton of fun on the women's side. Really enjoyed it. Kvitova takes a title over Elena Rybakina. Uh, Rybakina, who was going for trying the, to get the double. Yep, the sunshine. The double. sunshine double. Didn't get get to complete it, but awesome event from the women's side. Um, but yeah, guys, we've got to get to the ATP action because I think that's where we spend most of our time this week, the last couple of weeks. JP, give me your like overwhelming for me that, yeah, like I just said, it was Potapova for me on the women's side. What was your overwhelming takeaway on the tour side for the men? Um, for Miami Open yeah. or, or Indian yeah. Wells I mean, or just, both of them, just March Madness in general. It was, I, to me, this was a March Madness. This was, so I mean, fun stories the last few weeks. I think that. Like I'm just pumped for Medi. I think I was. I think that when you get the Sinner Alcarez back to back dog fights, I think the high level tennis um, it, that that, I, that you get to witness with that match is so different than when you watch Medvedev play. But I'm happy that he got he got his win. So I mean. So Med- Medi's now won 19 titles. I believe he's won 19 titles at 19. Four for five. Four of his last five. Yeah. And did I did That's... I read this correctly? You would know you you being the big Medi guy. Um, did I read it correctly that he's won nineteen titles at nineteen different events? Mm-hmm. That's absurd. Yeah. So he's never won any event twice, but he's won nineteen yeah. titles. And his fifth Masters one thousand. Yeah. So he's won all the. That's pretty tough. He's won all the major Masters, or made a final on all the major hardcore tournaments. Basically, I believe. Medi's a. I mean, he's a hardcore specialist. He's one of the best players in the world. But what he's what he just put together the last six seven weeks yeah. was he's getting confident too. Like you said, oh, it in Indian Wells is like when he gets confident, he plays a different game than anyone else, and so he's just a problem. Although Alcaraz figured figured him out, but but Daniel lost his swagger for a good bit there, and just him, in that match. Well, just, really, just the past after the Australian. Oh no! Over, right, yeah. absolutely. But I thought I thought you were gonna say like in the Alcaraz match, oh, no, he I, lost his swagger again, but he he had it during the center match. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. 
he did have it, and I think he kind of had a mental edge over center as well, being five and zero going that into that helps. match. I think that definitely helps a guy like Medi, who's just he just carries himself at a different uh, level right now, ment- mentality wise. Like and center had like some early points where he he wasn't playing at the same level. Like I mean, it's yeah. impossible to play what that whatever that level is. <laughs> but like he had a couple of those weird unforced errors at the beginning. You could see the air come out of the balloon, yeah. and then start doing the. Playing the Medi game yeah. where he's just winging you around. And it's, I mean, the fact that Carlos Alcaraz at Indian Wells was able to hit winners past six foot seven yeah. Medvedev, who moves that well yeah. on a slow court. And push him all the way back yeah. to the back wall and then drop shot him. And then just just shows you how, how lethal Carlos is. So, <laughs> he's so lethal. I, I was bummed um, Carlos was not able to remain healthy for the center match. Me too. It definitely, the level was definitely dropping so what was that you were there so he had like he came back out of the bathroom and like that's like was that that you just cramp did you see carlos shoot a glance at his box when he went uh coming after that medical timeout and he expected to have some certain fluids like at his is that what it was and they didn't it looked like they didn't have i just knew center stayed out through the change in the second like from the second to third center just stayed out there in his sweaty mop shirt it seemed like, like carlos just did not do the the preparation pre-match to last for another physical battle whether it was hydration or whether it was it seemed to be a hydration issue Jim Courier noted that as well uh just looked at his box they they mixed in some of those powder fluids whatever. yeah they were like handed it but yeah. hey, where's the bathroom at didn't he have oh, to no, walk got, all yeah, the way out it's a deep to like walk. It, from, to his like where he got his concussion protocol all the way at deep, the back of the NFL stadium this is an NFL stadium guys it is not a very conducive event for a tennis Event. Yeah, so he just popped out the door, but he actually yeah. walked 110 yeah. yards oh, to a bathroom sure. somewhere. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I was thinking that, like, that I was like, one of, we were watching, I was like, I'm like, he's got to go for a hike. Oh, it's like, a hike. It's ridiculous. I mean, Miami Open, great event. I love every second I was there, but it's not an, it's not a venue that was made with tennis in mind at all. So they have to deal with some of these situations and that was one of them that Oh yeah, Nate I mean, Nate Nate sending me clips all week like listen to the sound of the air conditioners. <laughs> like try to get rid of that try to get rid of that noise from that whatever that generator is. Paul Badosa played uh, Siegman in the in round 1 and Siegman took two bathroom breaks each which like totaled up I think 18 or 20 minutes. Badosa started just pulling in like ball girls and fans to hit with but it was ridiculous. I mean, some of the things that you'll see at the Miami Open are not things that you see at other Masters events. Uh, we'll just say that. But anyway, the other men men's uh, highlights for me was Tommy Paul, again, Yeah. just continues to be a top, I mean, really a top 10 player. The last, I don't know, eight, six, eight months, Tommy Paul has played like a top 10 player to me. He's just showed up every week, looks, he, he gets, he beats everybody he's supposed to beat. The one tournament he didn't do that was Delray. Um, but other than Delray, take off Delray off the map. I mean, I don't know if it's just because he changed rackets. But, guys, check out the po- podcast. I was super interested to hear how he brought some blades and some V-cores down to Australia. And he was just going to ride with whatever racket. Uh, yeah, and he's run, and, he went, and then it's a gut string, too. Yeah, he used natural gut. Natural gut. From Babylon, which was interesting to hear. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, the men, guys, center, playing amazing. I thought he just continued to show... What fu- the future of tennis will look like, and he's going to be a, a, a big. He's part good. Of he's he's got like a good 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 year ahead of him. I think. Oh, he's staying be, at that. He'll level. be top. He'll be top seven before the end of the year. Yeah. Let's do for the men. I wanted to do something a little different. After this March, I think we have a pretty. I think it looks a lot different than we thought, even from Australia. Uh, as far as the, the rankings are, fifty-two weeks worth of points. 
So I don't think it's an a, a, I don't think it's the most accurate way to view the rankings of who's playing top level tennis. Yeah, because it takes too much into account of last year. It, exactly. So let's go ahead and do our power rankings for the top ten men right now. Uh, even given the the, the mm. injuries and stuff uh, to, to some of these top players, there's one guy I left out of my top ten that I would. I'm yeah, but going into the clay court season, I I can't leave. I can't put him in there. I'll walk you through mine. Tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. All right? Okay. Number one, I got Carlitos Alcaraz. Agreed. Number two, uh, if they hadn't canceled him, he probably could be number one. As as you guys all know, is Novak Djokovic. Agreed. Uh, he he could definitely be at the number one spot if they let him play the Sunshine Double. Uh, number three, Daniil Medvedev. Agreed. Four, Yannick Sinner. Five. This is where it gets a little crazy, I think. So four center, five Taylor Fritz, six Felix Auger-Aliassim, seven Andre Rublev, eight Holger Rune, nine Karen Hachinov, ten Francis Tiafo. I have Cam Norrie and Hubie Hercotch sitting out on the outside looking in, but just a bit outside. Where did I miss? I put Tommy Paul in there somewhere. I... I how, Only, how, how can I say two minutes prior to this that he's been a top ten player and not put him in? <laughs> Very contradictory of well, myself. Because it, like everyone you said though is like having a great start. I think like the only ones I would like just change around. Like I was gonna, so I wanted to put Tommy in there, but like Felix, if he would have beat Felix where he had six match points, that's the thing. I was like, I was gonna say Felix, but then Felix beat him. He just beat and he just beat him. So like, right. I, I, I couldn't put him in there. I think Rublev, like yeah, the last. Few months, I think Tommy would take his last few months over Rublev's last few months, but Rublev seems to be playing. He, he's coming. He's still there. Holger, he's still there. Holger's right there. Hatchinov has had great results. He's at, been getting yeah, good draws since, since the U.S. Open. He's been playing yeah. r- really well. And then Tiafo since the U.S. Open has been playing very well. So it's like maybe Tommy slides in there at number ten. But I, I got Cam Hubie and Tommy Paul sitting just outside that that top group. Yeah, and I would say well, I love that you're putting him in there. I think I definitely has only a, because I think he hangs with the top guys better than for sure Felix. Like Felix and him, they go down and they fight it out, and Felix beats him though. So it's like you can't take it out, you can't change it. You're right. Felix is not winning the big, big. He's not getting the big scalps though, like he needs to. No, he's no, he's not. Felix is not. I need that dude to get a he's W. Rigid, he's still too rigid. I mean, I don't. I I can't. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but. Like he struggled. I was sitting courtside for Tiago Montero and him. Uh, he won seven six seven six in that match. And really, I mean, from the baseline, once the ball was after the serve, obviously Felix has the more, uh, much more lethal serve. So lethal. But once the once the ball was put in play from from a baseline to baseline perspective, you if you were just from outer space and you came to watch that match, and I asked you who looked like a more dominant tennis player. I don't know if you would have. I feel like Felix for is sure picked Felix. I feel like what you're saying too is what I'm seeing too is like I get the feeling that Felix is afraid to like go for it. Like, like he's it's not like he he, he moved Tiago. I mean he moved oh, around the court for it, sure. His level is just there, but like I don't feel like it means like he's not gonna sit there and die on the court. He's just like if I start to lose, I'm gonna lose and lose with like he doesn't go out where it's just like even Rublev. Rublev will sit there and bang with JJ Wolf until one of them dies on the court. Yep. I don't feel like Felix is ready to do that, and it's like that's why he never wins those big ones, in my opinion. 
Like I don't see him yeah. taking like some big. You're not gonna beat a Medi. Yeah. Until no. he's like, because Medi will no literally die on the court exactly. to get you. I, and that's that's why Felix is like. I think. It, have we seen him? Is this his ceiling? <sighs> is he has he reached it already at twenty? No, years because old? I feel like he's he's gonna get tested at one of these. Like, it's gonna click and. Maybe it's Uncle Tony's going to be like screaming at him that, you know, that this is where he he needs to go to. Because I feel like the psychological stuff that Uncle Tony's not teaching him any like foundational stuff. He's teaching him all psychological Mm -hmm. stuff. So at some point he's going to like, it's going to turn into either he's going to turn into an adult or this is his ceiling. He can't get past it. Maybe maybe that is the ceiling. He's not as like. I said this about Tiafo on like, with the Mike Cation podcast, where I thought Tiafo is a solid athlete, like, and he's look he's he's become a better athlete with the work he's putting off the court, but he's not like, in a, he's not a top, a top athlete on the tour, you know? like a specimen. No, he's not a specimen. Like, yeah. I, I don't view Tiafo as a specimen. Yeah, he's got a pretty live arm, but like, if you watch his serve, like, he doesn't even really jump like at all. There's, he doesn't really use his athleticism all that much. Like, yeah, he moves very, pretty well. He can cover some ground. Uh, he's not the most fluid though, and th- a lot of those things things that I said about Tiafo are relevant to, to Felix. Like, yeah, he's a I think Felix is a better athlete than Tiafo actually, but he's still rigid. Like around the right. like, like around the outsides, like or, or around the like, just just the, the the fluidity is not there. I just want him to like. I feel like I want him to like show that, that it like means everything to him. Maybe that's just so cliche to say. Felix- but I don't it, feel like it, 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 it doesn't doesn't ever, ever get the feeling like I feel like with Tiafu it does like it does sometimes he hit, Tiafu, yeah. he'll hit another gear and go especially U.S. Open and I mean like there's like places where he did even in Dallas like you could see it like Tiafu is starting to play at this new level that like he's never really I mean the Wimbledon obviously but like Felix is too robotic he, he's yeah too, he's, yeah he's too that's robotic and, and I don't think robotic. In a bad way, not it, a, not, a, not good a good way. way. No, no, no. Like, like is, some people, Medi is yeah, robotic in a, in a good way. way. <laughs> the, like, yeah. Now, Medi is very animated in between the lines when he's when the when the point is not being played, but when the point is being played, Medi becomes a robot. Felix is it's in a bad way. It's like his emotions. He's robotic in the way he plays. He's robotic. It seems like he's predictable in, in the big moments, and that that hurts him. And I think that it, it always was a turnoff to me when I heard from the AT. Somebody that was with the Netflix team saying that uh, when he was playing matches that he didn't want to be have the cameras in the, the locker room after losses, and like he didn't want to feel any of that vulnerability. That's the thing is no like, no vulnerability, he, yeah, and, dude. You got to. And I think that's like you watch like if you watch Rafa his whole like Rafa was always you always knew how much it meant to Rafa. Yeah. Ever since he was seventeen years old or whatever, like yep. you knew that this meant the world. Since Carlos Alcaraz has been on the tour, it looked like tennis means the world to him. It looks like signing every autograph, waving to every fan, waving to the personnel into the tunnels that I've seen Carlos do. That to me was like, he didn't win this tournament in Miami, but going forward, it's like, not only is he the face of tennis and the fan favorite, but like, this kid has the it factor that most of these guys don't have. I mean, Carlos shakes everybody's hand. He says hi to everybody that he walks past. After practices, he shakes the other team's hands. He shakes the players' hands. He thanks the fans for coming. He and he'll die on the court. And he will die on the court. I mean, this whole the whole process, the whole life uh, of a tennis player. Yeah, he's fallen in love with it. And I mean, like, it doesn't seem like. But you see the vulnerability in him, even you do. And it's just like he never complains either. Yeah, but even with like someone that I feel like this is interesting to talk about because like even with Sinner, I felt like last year was kind of like 
one of those like he's like I was like what is it with this guy like he's got all this like power slapstick but it's just like it's just kind of muted and it doesn't feel vulnerable but when he played like it, he's raised his game into this new level you can totally tell that it means something was in that. yeah it's all him see, it he's started, back he's he shaking started, yeah. he's gonna die on the court he's gonna win tournaments shout too. out to Darren Cahill for bringing that out of him I, I think I think yeah. I have to tip my hat to, to Darren Cahill who he added in January of 2022 he actually added his entire new team in that in January of 2022 you can tell and it looks you like can tell yeah. he's a different player he's playing with real emotion looks like he's playing with a passion that is gonna make him a next level player yep he's now like but when you look at center walker on the court when the ball is not not in play, does not look like a world class athlete. Once the ball goes in play, that guy becomes a different animal. And you you you, par- you, you partner that with the the raw emotion and just the, his ability to fight for these matches, even when he looks like he's cramping or his legs hurt. Yeah, he wants it so bad. Center to me gained a lot of respect the last. When few he's weeks. pulling his feet up while yeah. they're cramping, I mean fought through it because he's like, I gotta get I gotta this get guy this. one time. I love it. Sin- I do too. Center earned a lot of respect for me, me too. But I was back to what I was saying. Anyway. I had, I was on the practice courts of Miami, and I had, on the first court was Roberto Batista Agut and Casper Rude, and then it was Kachmanovic in center, then it was Sitsipas and um, Carlos, then it was Felix and Medi, or no, it was Felix and Falkina, Medi and and some. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I was watching to see where the fans kind of and were, cool, gra- yeah. gravitated towards. There were so many top ten players on the court. Holger was down there with Zverev as well. So I mean, it was a God. start. A star-studded practice session, and all the fans were on the practice courts. And I'm saying 85% of them were watching Carlos. Hell yeah. They were, they were on the Steph court, but they were the fans were watching and filming Carlos. If they were even on the side of Steph, they were literally trying to get Carlos on, the, on film, and the fans were audibly yelling. It was just like, I have some cool videos I posted, but it's like, that kid is amazing. And after the match, or after the practice match, where he kind of dominated Stitsy Pasta, to be quite frank, he's just like, he just has this interaction with the fans and just like this rapport with these fans that like you have six year olds and seven year olds yelling his name, and then you've got sixty year old men and women like fangirling and fanboying who are like playing like you know intramural tennis yeah. at local clubs. Also, it's just like we have not had that su- superstar power at, at a young age. But that's what it, he's the face of tennis. He has he the superstar power because so, he's a superstar. He I, does it and all. I, and I thought Kyrgios and Tiafo kind of had that it factor as well. And they do to a certain extent, not to this. They just extent. don't have the raw talent that he has either. Like this he, kid is special. Once you saw Sinner in his matches, try to uh, combine the power tennis with like the finesse hitting the drop shot, and you saw Yannick Sinner put those drop shots in the bottom of the net or bouncing before the net. Yeah, today. I hope too. you guys were able to appreciate how good Carlos is. For being able to go 130 on the serve and then the next shot going with a 16-mile-an-hour drop. But how good Sinner is, too, to finally be – I mean, Grant, you're right. He cramped him up. But he cramped him up. He got him into the play because Carlos beat that him in that first set. He got – but then Sinner got him legit second set. The the cramp didn't happen until the third set. You're right. No, Sinner earned a ton of respect. Like, I didn't ever believe in Sinner as, like, a guy that could win a – multiple grand slams i really didn't i thought he was gonna win maybe one like maybe two if he was gonna like one or two i, I had him pinned i believed in him after, yeah no yeah <laughs> after yeah, that's fair you did but after this after this uh miami tournament where i was like all right center is gonna win some slams he's and, tall and got the bird legs but he's so balanced on the like he's sliding around and like it's weird because it, you're right he doesn't look like he looks skinny but then when you see him running on the court and sliding he's completely balanced 
the slides are just yeah. as good as no, he, Alcaraz. He's just a different body. They talked about it a lot. I think that seven pounds of muscle he put on the last few months, whatever, four or five months, really changed his game a lot for the better. He just looks so much cleaner getting out of the corners, putting on the brakes, uh, getting up and going again, and chasing down drop shots. Just looks a lot more balanced. Um, I will be interested to see. I don't know. Were you, were you watching when they talked about his footwork on the in the front court on the volleys? I mean, just an interesting dialogue they had there with I think it was uh, Petchy. Uh, I didn't Mark, hear that. No. Just interesting to hear like his his footwork is is not in sync with like when you watch like the fetters and stuff at the net, and or even the Rafas like it's just perfect. Every every piece of footwork from the, from the short ball to the finishing ball is so in sync with like in in, in rhythm. Center is like. He's not quite as. Balanced. He does seem kind of a little wobbly yeah. down there. Yeah, and that's and that's, but it's a it's a good thing because if you can improve that and and the drop shot can can become a part of a game and he can add that to his his toolbox, if those two elements become a part of his game, I mean that just raises his ceiling exponentially. Yeah, more. because he's he's already added beef to the serve. The serve has started to become a legit weapon. No, he's not Medvedev or he's not. Um, he's not like hitting like a Zverev or anybody, but he but he's coming. He's hitting like one twenty three on the first serve. And he's going for his forehands. He is. I mean, more than. I mean, he's got that crack. That crack forehand is pushing people around. So. So no, I think this was a uh, a fun a fun piece. Those are the power rankings. I think after revisiting this conversation, Tommy Paul definitely deserves to be in the Agreed. top ten. That I, I didn't want to leave him out. Tommy, you've been playing tremendous. Keep it up. I can't wait to see what you do on the clay courts. But JP, let's take a break real quick before we come back. Play some ping pong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We haven't see, we didn't even get to see each other for a while, so we'll, we'll talk about who, who to watch for in the clay in our a little bag, betting segment to close it out. But guys, we'll <laughs> we'll be back. Interesting start there. And we're back, guys. So we want to talk about a few guys on the men's side that are probably really looking forward to getting back on the chopped red brick. Got to start off with a few Argentinians. I, I know Sebastian Baez and Diego Schwartzman, a couple undersized grinders, cannot wait to get their footing back on the red clay. Oh, yes. Because I think both those guys need the points. They're probably two guys that um, predominantly clay quarters where most of their success comes on the red stuff. I think those guys are going to have a, a bunch more success. Is, uh, I feel like they had a rough patch the last since really Cincinnati uh, in last August. I haven't seen those two guys kind of pull through with – too many memorable wins. Um, so I'm definitely watching for those two guys to break through. The third guy that may surprise you is Lorenzo Sonego, who just took out Francis Tiafo at the Miami Open. Uh, he's got a 50% win percentage on clay for his career, which is actually second behind grass, which was a surprising stat for me to find. But I think Sonego, with his movement and his uh, just his, the grittiness that he, he possesses and the, his ability to kind of change ball height and margins, um, defend well. He can play more offense with more of a uh, just playing with more depth and um, kind of more more uh, just power tennis, uh, especially on the clay courts with his athleticism and his movement. Looking for those three guys t- to step up. But JP, I want to do a little betting segment to finish off today's podcast. We got Estoril action tomorrow. We've got Houston Clay Courts action, which is the only uh, ATP Tour event in America on clay courts. Um, Want to start off? We got Diego Schwartzman against Marco Cecchinato. Uh Cecchinato is plus one eighty two against Schwartzman. I think that at plus odds is a must take. Diego Schwartzman has been struggling mightily. Obviously, he's been a clay court specialist for the heavy majority of his career, but I think the confidence is not where it used to be, especially the last few years. I think Cecchinato could catch him here as a guy that's made the semifinals of a French Open in the past. 
if if Cachinato is ever going to get back into the swing of things and be a top 120, 115 top player, it's going to be now. And I think I'll take Cachinato at plus 182. Next up in this one, I will take Ben Shelton is a slight under or slight favorite against Constant Lestian. I will take Ben Shelton in his first clay court tournament, um, at least his first clay court tournament overseas. Is uh, yet to play a French Open. Um, pretty cool for him on the on the red dirt. I think that forehand will translate beautifully. Uh, and then the last pick I got, we got Jordan Thompson is the slight who, underdog who beat Sitsipas. He beat Sitsipas. Beat Sitsipas in the Miami Open. Sick. Yeah, was that in three sets? I think so. Was that in three sets? I, but it was just like what? That's yeah. I knew yeah. I knew he had a big one. I I was it was I was drawing blank on that one. JJ Wolf is minus one forty six against Thompson. Uh, but JJ has not played a lot of clay court tennis, and when he has, it hasn't looked exactly com- comfortable. Uh, whether it's the movement, um, he's not getting the free points off the serve as quickly. He's got to work a couple more balls into play there. And Thompson's just a savvy vet, a guy that's been around for a long time. A guy that knows how to win. Got some confidence too. Yeah, exactly. Rocking a mustache. Rocking a mustache. Rock, rocking <laughs> a mustache. And it's a guy that's that that knows how to win on clay courts and he knows how to just be pesty and uh he obviously knows jj's game jj's game well and i think that's another at plus money i think you, it's worth taking a look at but those will be the top three picks for the pure tennis podcast this week jp really appreciate you stepping in today getting in the studio late night on a sunday i know you got an early rising grind tomorrow but i always look forward to our podcast can't wait to get back in here got a ton of fun action guys it's clay court season Get your red clay shoes out there. Get out there on the uh, the Tenneco and have a great time out there. The clay court tennis, learn how to slide. It always transitions well when you know how to slide on the clay courts and you become one of those guys on the hard courts that, that are sliding a little bit. But anyway, guys, thanks for all your support. Check us out on Instagram for more and regular more regular updates. Have a great one. Peace. Bye.